here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott looking to wind down our preseason prognostications. We're finishing up part two of our wide receiver ranking disparities. Again, Pat and I go through our, our usual minutia of why or why not we lean a certain way for somebody. Again, we rank our players just like everybody else and turn around for reasons that are beknownst to us and then share why maybe we agreed on a lot. But we we tend to look at the bigger picture of why Pat was a lot higher on somebody, I was a lot lower, and what rationales that we use to determine why, if it's something stats-based, if it's, you know, a gut feeling or or something in between. Again, we know a lot of folks out there in the uh, fantasy profession uh, tend to do that, but it never hurts to do that yourself. You know, even if you're just an an avid player to, you know, take a look at different players and start to think about reasons why you like this guy or don't like them based on a a trade or or a draft pick that may be affecting their status. So we're going to finish out our rankings uh, and and get through the wide receiver position. we got five guys we're going to talk about. Before we get started, Pat, welcome back in. Getting ready for season two. Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed last year, and I'm looking forward to this year uh, with you as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we every year when we go through and do our rankings, like you said, we're kind of off on uh, a, a few guys here and there. We generally are are pretty close in in most instances, but the wide receivers and running backs, because there are so many of them, and there are so many situations where you know, this guy might be starting and this guy's in a backup role or this guy's the wide receiver one and, you know, this guy's going to be playing out of the slot. So, you know, as we get information throughout the preseason, we tend to, you know, we update our, our rankings every so often and, and you know, kind of make sure that we're, you know, where we want to be as far as, you know, going into a draft where, you, where you're ranking these guys and where you're going to be taking them because, you know, as we've said before, the draft doesn't isn't where you win the league but it can definitely be where you lose the league. If you do not draft yourself with enough assets to win some games or at least make some trades, then you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. So, you know, we go through our rankings and and sort of, uh, you know, why we have guys ranked where they are. And, and like Scott said, some of it may just be, you know, personal opinion. Some of it may be numbers that we've dug into ourselves. Some of it may be arguments that we've heard from someone else or, you know, have had with, you know, other avid fantasy football players or whatever. But some of it is also the level of risk that you're willing to take. And I think when you get into this wide receiver, the range that we're going to be getting into, which is our wide receivers 31 through 50. So this is like the wide receiver three, four range. These are the guys that can really help to bolster your lineup when you have an injury or, if you can grab one of these guys, um, you know, maybe some of the guys that we're talking about here today that have this, you know, potential, uh, you know, we talked a little bit of, on about Amon Ross St. Brown on the last episode. And, you know, he's the type of guy who has the potential to have a really big season. Scott obviously thinks he's going to. I think that, you know, it might be a little bit more modest, but that's that's sort of the, the guys that you want to target in this range. When you're getting into, you know, your wide receiver 30 through 50, you're generally in the end of the middle to the back half, basically, of your draft. And these are guys that you are going to want to take 
upside shots on. By this point, you probably already have most of your starting lineup drafted. Some people you know, may have a, a tight end, a quarterback, neither, both. It really depends. But when it comes to your wide receivers and your running backs, a lot of these guys are going off the board quickly. So when you get to this back half, what you want are, are guys that are going to be able to turn into league winners rather than guys who are just going to you know, plot along and get you eight points per week and, you know, not really do uh, a whole lot. So those types of players are what helps you win leagues, because if they do hit great, you've drafted a, you know, a great player, somebody that you could plug into your wide receiver to, or give you a huge advantage in the flex position every week. If they end up busting, who cares? You spent, you know, what, a 10th or 11th round pick on them or something like that. You just drop them and you pick up, you know, whoever the new hotness is on, on the waiver wire for that next week. It's, it's easy to sort of cut bait with a lot of these guys that you're not really, you know, that aren't producing for you early in the season. So what we're going to do is, like I said, go over our wide receiver 31 through 50. We'll give you the ranks real quick, and then we'll jump into a couple guys that we're different on, and and we'll talk a little bit about why we're different, um, same as we did, you know, basically with the rest of them. We're not doing anything different. This is the same crap that you've been listening to for the last, you know, four weeks if you've been listening to our podcast. So we're just going to do it the same way. There's no point in explaining it all all over again. Let's just get into it. Wide receivers. So our wide receiver 31 is Drake London, 32, Traylon Burks, Adam Thielen, Gabe Davis at 34, Devonta Smith, 35, Elijah Moore is 36, Chris Godwin, 37, Chris Olave, 38, Tyler Lockett, 39, Devontae Parker is 40, Alan Lazard, 41, Brandon Ayuk is 42, Hunter Renfro, 43, Christian Kirk, 44, DeAndre Hopkins is 45, Kadarius Toney at 46, Garrett Wilson at 47, Robert Woods 48, Chase Claypool 49, and the top 50 ends with Sky Moore. And so we're going to jump right into our first guy that we're, again, uh, anybody that, that we're ranked, that we have ranked basically 10 spots apart, uh, we're going to take a look at today. And the first guy that we're going to talk about is Gabe Davis for the Buffalo Bills. He's currently going as a wide receiver 32. I have him at 30. Scott has him at 40. And my, my thing with Gabe Davis is, you know, everybody talks about Gabe Davis and, you know, how basically the whole 200-yard, four-touchdown playoff game last year has, you know, boosted his his ADP and boosted, you know, what people think he's going to do this season. And, listen, you can't look at a game like that and not see the potential that this guy has for being a great player in the league. So I'm not saying that my entire argument is based off of that one game, but it does show that he does have the potential to do something like that because, you know, you don't see guys like KJ Osborne or, you know, McCole Hardman, all the hype that he's gotten for the Kansas city chiefs. He's never put up a 200 yard for a touchdown game. So the ability to do something and, the probability that it's actually going to be done are two completely different things. But for me, uh, the, the, the reason that I like Davis is because he's finally going to have a starting role uh, in one of the league's best offenses. Davis has already had the second most red zone targets of any wide receiver in his draft class behind only Justin Jefferson. And that's with Davis playing less than 75% of snaps. Jefferson averages around 90% of the snaps. He was PFF's 10th highest rated wide receiver last year. And now with the extra 112 targets vacated by Cole Beasley, 
Davis is on track to potentially explode this year. Honestly, I think wide receiver 30 where I have him is probably even a little too low, but I can't sit here and say that, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown hasn't shown me a large enough sample size. And then, you know, say that Gabe Davis has, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's obvious that Davis has not proven anything yet. So I kind of have him right in the same range where I have Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the, especially the offense to do it. And I would not be surprised at all if Gabe Davis finished inside the top 15 at wide receiver this year. I obviously can't rank him that high because I don't have the confidence that that's, you know, where I think he's going to finish, but I believe he's got the potential to finish, you know, that high. And and me having him at 30, um, I think is, is a spot where I'm a little bit ahead of ADP. So I am willing to, to reach, you know, maybe at the beginning of, uh, around where you know he might be going towards the end of that round, uh, I'd be willing to to reach and grab Gabe Davis, uh, you know, a little bit early, not too much ahead. I'm not gonna, you know, go up into like the third round and draft him or anything like that. But if he's hanging around there in that fifth, sixth round, you know, seventh round area, I may pass on a on a quarterback like Russell Wilson or uh, you know maybe even Jalen Hurts to grab a guy like Gabe Davis, knowing that there's some some good quarterbacks uh, available in the following round or whatever. So that's sort of my feel on Davis this year is that Josh Allen already looks for him a ton, already looks for him in the red zone, which is, you know, where fantasy wide receivers, fantasy players period score most of their points, or at least where the difference is in, you know, where guys finish is generally in the number of touchdowns. So I think Gabe Davis could easily have a 10 to 12 touchdown season and, and finish in the top 15. It, to me, it's kind of one of those, I'll believe it when I see it. Is the volume potential there? Yeah, kind of. Looking at it, like what his role is probably going to be is stepping into more of the Emmanuel Sanders outside wide receiver role. And again, it, you could be outside, you know, you could be listed as, you know, the X and Y. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just really what, you know, the play calls for it. But if if that's the case, to me, the targets are going to lean a little bit more into, uh, I don't know, I guess probably something more along the lines of that, you know, you're, you're not getting Cole Beasley's hundred and some odd targets. I, I don't think that's probably going to happen. I think you're probably looking at maybe like 80 to 90 targets, which is nothing to sneeze at uh, last year. Uh, we're looking at 63 the previous year, 62. So right now he's been kind of in that like low to mid sixties range as far as targets go. A little bit of a problem for our buddy Gabe has been, you know, drops and, and hanging onto the football, making some contested catches here and there. So that does have a little bit to do with it. Um, you know, if he's going to be able to truly step up into that role now, to me, I think a lot of people are so high on him from basically from his playoff performance. And, and I mean, yes, to see somebody come out and have a monster game and think that that was, you know, his breakthrough. Sure. Uh, definitely the potential for it. Um, enough where, you know, I, I think people thought in the Buffalo Bills organization that probably, you know, Cole Beasley was a little bit longer in the tooth and, and things like that. But so was Emmanuel Sanders. And he was, you know, I believe 34 and kind of on the back end of his career. And things didn't quite finish out there. He's not officially retired yet. But again, when you're looking at the the starting 
starting wideouts for that team, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, Isaiah McKenzie's currently listed as the slot. They did bring Jamison Crowder over from the Jets. And for those of you familiar with Jamison Crowder, uh, he was a PPR darling before PPR darlings back in the day with Washington. And for a minute, get a little banged up, but with the Jets. He's a guy that is definitely going to probably be a little bit more with McKenzie in that splitting that Beasley role. Um, I think the two of them may share multiple slot duties and, and things of that nature. Dawson Knox, don't forget about Dawson Knox. Everybody thinks she's going to fall off the face of the earth because of touchdown regression, but uh, he was also a guy that made a lot of big plays downfield, had a lot of first downs, and James Cook was drafted uh, this year to become that kind of a more dynamic pass-catching running back that you can actually split out wide and, and run as an underneath wide receiver. So uh, to me, it's not that he doesn't have the potential to do it. It's that if Buffalo's offense is just as high-powered, if not more than last year, but you're talking about, including Gabe, you're talking about legitimately one, two, three, four, five, six, up to seven. Now you get Devin Singletary there as well. You have like seven mouths to feed here, which it's going to be whoever gets open. It's going to be whoever the quarterback knows can make that play. Uh, is it going to be Gabe Davis? I don't think he's the primary guy just yet. He has potential for me personally. Having him in that 40 range is mainly because I think that, you know, Stefan Diggs is always going to be their guy, but I feel that a lot of that target concept is again it's going to be different guys that kind of cannibalize each other a little bit but give it some time but I, I think pump the brakes maybe for one more season on Gabe Davis uh now in a year or two from now yes maybe he has that potential fair enough all right we're going to move on to DeAndre Hopkins I have him ranked at wide receiver 35 you have him all the way down at 54 he's currently going at wide receiver 34 right ahead of where I have him I know that there's the argument can be made about the fact that Arizona went out and traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Obviously the fact that he's got a six game suspension, which is going to hinder his overall performance and, and fantasy finish on the year. So, you know, he may not even finish as, as the wide receiver, you know, 34, 35, but I think if Hopkins wasn't sitting out the first six weeks, he'd be a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, I, I know that he's a little bit older now. He's you know just just over age thirty, but he hasn't seemed to slow down at all. He just keeps being a completely dominant wide receiver when he's on the field, and I believe he'll still give you some weak winning performances when he gets back from the suspension. Really, with Hopkins for me, the reason that I'm willing to take him, uh, you know, where he's going or right around where he's going, is kind of league dependent for me. So with Hopkins. My strategy is kind of simple. If you have an IR spot and you can keep him in that spot while he's suspended, then I think that you should draft him, you know, right about where he's going as like a second flex player. Like he should probably be the first player that you put on your bench at those wide receiver running back positions. This is somebody that's that's flex eligible. Put him in your IR for those first six weeks. After the draft, you can pick somebody else up. And as long as you go into the first, you know, let's say week seven and you're, you know, not 0 and 6 or, or 1 and 5, if you're at least 2 and 4 or better, I don't think that that's something that's too hard to overcome to make the playoffs. And in fantasy football, it's not really about being the best team for the entire season, unless you're in like a total points league or something like that, in which case I don't 
suggest drafting anybody that's going to be suspended for any number of games, unless it's, you know, maybe less than, than three, but uh, in, a, in a normal, you know, head to head fantasy football league, Hopkins gives you an advantage once he gets back, which as long as your team makes the playoffs, you have a huge advantage going into the playoffs because you now have a top 10 wide receiver, maybe even, you know, higher than top 10. I mean, if you look at DeAndre Hopkins finishes, whenever he's played, uh, you know, basically a, a full season, at least in the last five years, he's been a wide receiver five overall or better five of four of the last five years. The only year that he didn't was last year, obviously when he had, uh, you know, missed games due to injury, but even still last year in the, what did he play? 10 games that he played last year. He still averaged 12 and a half points per game. And that's, Again, that's in basically nine games because the, the week eight game that he got injured in, he only played 25% of the stat, the snaps. So uh, he's got league-winning potential late. It's just a matter of can your team sort of hold out and, and win enough games early in the season to, to allow Hopkins to come back and help you make that, that push for the playoffs. So I still think he's got value. You know, He's going to be coming back in week seven when you know maybe some of these other wide receivers that you're drafting have already – miss games or maybe missing games. Now I know, you know, missing games for wide receiver isn't as common as a running back, but maybe you go with a three running back build in your, you know, let's say you're in a standard two running back, two wide receiver, one flex league. If you go running back, running back the first two rounds, let's say, you know, you pick up some, some decent guys like, you know, Deandre Swift and Alvin Kamara. And these two guys are, are like your stable running backs. And then you grab a couple of wide receivers on your way back or maybe even another running back somewhere in there. And then you grab your wide receiver. So you're going to have a running back in your flex. At, at this point, you'll have three running backs and two wide receivers on your team. I don't mind grabbing DeAndre Hopkins there because now what you're doing is basically you're insuring against any injury to those top five guys that you just made assuming that they're you know those injuries don't happen in the very beginning of the season while Hopkins is still out but if at any point later on in the season any of those five guys who you project to be starters for your team goes down you just flip-flop your roster around and you put DeAndre Hopkins in one of those spots whether it's wide receiver whether it's flex whatever the case is he just gives you a lot of flexibility once he gets back and he's a he's a solid piece in your in your lineup so I don't have any problem with people drafting DeAndre Hopkins up at you know thirty four or even higher. If, like I said, if you if you have a build like that where you're getting through, you know your first uh, your first five rounds and and you have your your running back, wide receiver, and flexes locked up. To me, I, I feel like it's a little bit more of he's hit age thirty. He's been in a league nine years. He's coming off a legitimate knee injury and the suspension of losing those six games. I think it's going to be a big factor. I mean, you're losing arguably a third of the season to draft somebody. You know, some people are going to look at that name and it's, oh my God, it's Nuke. It's DeAndre Hopkins. I got, he's out there. I got to take him. Like where before, you know, we talked in the first series of, of wide receivers and my thing was, you know, if a guy's out there, you know, I might grab him based on value versus not and, and things like that. That's one thing. I mean, to me, I, I feel like that is – you're talking about a guy that's considered a top 20, top 25 wide receiver that falls 
three rounds past where he should be taken. And I'm not an ADP guy. I don't follow that to the letter. I'd rather go get my guys first and then see if anybody shakes out. But if that's the case, then that's fine. But I think, you know, I'm guilty of living in the past, just like a lot of other people. And I think that they look and go, well, it's DeAndre Hopkins. You just, you see that name and it's there. Now, the point you made, Pat, 100%. If you're able to get him on the cheap and be able to stash him on your bench and keep him there as an insurance policy, whether it even be trade bait down the road for for a league mate that's really interested in picking him up, that maybe is acceptable. I, I just think finish-wise for him, I think they're going to be a little too – there's going to be a little bit too much going on. It's hard to tell what Arizona might quite, like might try to do. Obviously, yes, you got Marquise Brown coming in who is young, hungry, wide receiver. Uh, you know, we saw flashes of his potential with – you know, an offense that didn't really air it out with Baltimore, um, you know, not for nothing. It was what it was. You have Rondale Moore, who really impressed in in flashes. You know, you say boom bust. OK, um, you know, he, he was just getting used to the league. And I think that that coaching staff sees the potential that he has overall. Now, speaking of vacated targets, obviously, Christian Kirk uh, went by the wayside and he eventually became the wide receiver one so to speak mostly because of like the hopkins injury yeah after you know week 10 we saw that kind of trail off at the end of the day you did lose that many targets uh aj green probably not going to get his 92 that he got last year that that's for sure uh and then after that you know there's there's just it's like okay so does brown slide into kirk's role okay so then you're talking about 92 targets and you got Rondell Moore and Hopkins, ironically, albeit, you know, both didn't play the entire season, uh, one mainly limited because of injuries, but they both finished with 64 targets on their team. Uh, and Rondell Moore is a pretty good receiver of the football. Didn't have a lot of drops or anything crazy going on last year and has that big playability where, you know, of course, now everybody calls it the Debo Samuel role. It's the reverse Le'Veon Bell role. Instead of a running back that you use as a wide receiver, now it's a wide receiver you use as a running back. It's this, it's it's chicken or chicken. It's the same thing. It's keeping the defense honest by putting a guy out there and then they're spying them and you got to make sure that they're rotating their defense to, to adjust accordingly. To me, the biggest question on that whole thing is going to be the quarterback, Kyler Murray. We've seen Kyler Murray look borderline MVP level. And we've seen Kyler Murray look like a kid who got beat up for his lunch money and didn't want to go back to school. Uh, he just signed his big contract, and and there was a little hullabaloo about his uh, dedication to studying film and all that crap. And and you know that that was what it was. Last year, Pat, when we were talking about offenses and fantasy football, I was with you. We were in the first couple of weeks. We were all in on Arizona. It's like, get me. Can I get Arizona's offensive coordinator? and right guard on my roster somehow because that's just how many points you were going to get with them. This year, I'm not as high on that team as a whole because I really don't know what to expect with a lot of moving parts. Should they be high-flying? Yeah, they should. DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to be a part of that. So I think having him you know, winding down, not so much his career, but again, they'd be able, I believe next year, they'd be able to make some moves if they needed to to get out from his contract a little bit and, and try to maybe get into some – some trades or, or anything to it to see how this goes. So for me, it's it's more of that. It's the question mark around Hopkins. I believe uh, just taking a quick peek that yeah, if they were to after June first next year, if they were able, even if they just released them, uh, they would save themselves like nineteen million in cap. So if things don't work out this year, 
Uh, he could be quietly phased out of the offense, not completely. Obviously, if they're challenging for a playoff spot and everything else, does he come back and be their true wide receiver one? Sure. But if things are clicking with A.J. Green and Rondale Moore and, you know, Hollywood Brown and, and you know, your tight end, Zach Ertz, and, and you draft a Trey McBride with some upside, you got James Conner, um, you know, if those things are going well and, and they're running well without it, it could turn into those, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it types of things. Makes sense. Let me ask you this. So I just looked up DeAndre Hopkins uh, average draft position. What where's your first pick in our in our draft in, in our league of record? <laughs> oh, uh well let's see. Are you in the seventh round or uh, I have to pull the chart up. No, I am in the ninth round. Oh, so, okay. So yes, uh he could be available to me. Uh, hey, well, he's going night. right now, PPR leagues, he's going 705. So he'll, he'll probably be gone before you get a shot. But I was actually going to ask if uh, let's just assume that your first pick was in the seventh round and and Hopkins was left on the board. Is he a guy that has enough upside for you that you would consider taking him or because you're drafting, you know, because you're missing so many of those top picks, are you or you just bypass him altogether and, and not even bother taking a shot with him? <sighs> Because you that, have to find talent at that point in the draft. Like, that's what you like. This is how you're going to have to build your team in our league of record this year. Oh, no, no doubt. Uh, again, I've had, I think, seventh round, eighth round, where, yeah, those are my first picks. I mean, albeit having a keeper or two, uh, we do have a little bit of uh, wiggle room where if you choose to keep only one keeper, that gets you a compensatory pick at the end of the second round. So, in a sense, you have one of the first picks of the third round. And we're in a keeper league. So, albeit some people keeping two players, we're already, in theory, we're already two rounds behind when we start, you know, give or take a player. Right. So, yeah, you're talking maybe tops. Your first player is somebody in 25 to 30, let alone what you kept and, and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I mean, it would really have to be who was, who was around them. And for me, Am I going to look at, okay, I'm looking at my season right off the bat and going, is this something that is going to, do I think I have a shot with the team that I picked? In theory, no. I, I mean, you know, I'm going to look at it as a total tank rebuild type of year and, and you know, things of that nature. I think that that is probably a, a big part of things. Let me ask you this to, to make it a little bit easier for you. So you, we're going to kind of, move transition this into the next wide receiver that we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, there's so, no question. Yeah. Go ahead. We have, we have Hunter Renfro going at ADP wide receiver 38. Uh, I have him 56. You have him up at 29. Obviously you're much higher on him uh, than you, than you are on Hopkins. But again, in that situation where you're, you know, not, you don't have a pick until whatever the seventh, the ninth round, whatever it is. Uh, are you looking to take the guy with the potential league winning upside when he gets back like Hopkins, or are you like, I need to get some points on my roster and have somebody steady and, and you're going to go with a guy like Renfro. I mean, you're, you're ranking say Renfro, but I know that rankings don't always necessarily match a hundred percent with situation and where you're drafting people. Cause you could have, you know, a wide receiver ranked much higher, but if you've already drafted four wide receivers, you're, you're kind of stuck looking at, you know, running back or, or quarterback or something like that, uh, you know, on your team. So if you're in that in that position where Hopkins and Renfro are both available with your first pick in our league of record, which way are you going? Um, I would I would go Renfro personally. Um, and the reason being. I want some points to see what happens, you know, again, based on my 
my roster and what everything shakes out. Like, uh, I think the, let's see, was it this, there was the year, it was the one year I think I didn't have a pick until the eighth round. And I thought I could try to three-peat and, and pull that off, which would have been like damn near unbelievable. But I think the first pick I made was actually Jamison Crowder, if I'm not mistaken. And for me, it was like, you know what? Yeah, like I I want to try to find the best player available. And I know maybe you're trying like looking to spin this back in into that concept. I, I just I can't. I can't pick a guy like that unless it was like, even if he's the best guy out there, I want somebody who's going to play for me right away. Because if I'm looking to make any moves early, at least I have a guy there that is, gives me that much potential to make a move where, you know, suddenly Hunter Renfro through the first three weeks is a top 10, 15 wide receiver. Let's say somebody's going to come knocking for him and go, Hey, you suck. Uh, but I'll take him off your hands for a first round pick. So suddenly, if, if things are starting to turn into that level of possibilities, then yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll entertain that. And I don't think anybody's going to come calling for DeAndre Hopkins early. Um, and again, I could be wrong. You may have somebody who's a stand out there that just lives and dies by the guy. But at the end of the day, now talking about Hunter Renfro, I I like him a lot. Uh, I know some people don't. I know some people immediately look at the Devonte Adams effect and, and everything like that. And, and sure, I think that that's definitely a, a big factor to maybe not be as high on him as if anybody was last year or thinking that he's going to continue on in that, you know, again, now I guess you'll call it the Cooper cup role where he's just a, that much of a PPR wide receiver that, that makes those catches. But to see what he did for his team last year throughout, I, I think I'd have to take somebody along his lines like that. I mean, Hunter Renfro in in our league of record finished as what the tenth best wide receiver. Now, is he going to get his 128 targets that he got last year? Probably not, because of Devontae Adams. I, I would have to say I'd be very stunned to see that happen. Right now, I know with like Darren Waller, there's a lot of question marks regarding health, regarding contract, regarding a lot of things. And again, today's like, we still haven't gotten into the season, so you never know how that'll shake out. But when you look at the wide receiving core for uh, Las Vegas and what happened last year, where, you know, you had you had the tragic situation involving Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, off field that, that took him out of the loop. You had Brian Edwards, who is now with the Falcons, who may try to resurrect his career there. Uh, Zay Jones has moved on to... Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and is kind of like a sneaky, sneaky pick for later in your dress. I think he's a guy that has some potential to help you out there. So when you look at those, again, one, two, three players that are that are out of the leap. So you're looking at 36, 59. That's 94, uh, 9, 7, So yeah, there's like a there's your there's your Adams targets arguably in those two to three players right there. So now if you've moved on to that point. And Adams gets that volume, you know, the 150, 160 targets. You're still leaving that much open for for Renfro to probably get another 100 targets. I, I mean, I'm a little higher on that offense this year as a whole. Uh, I think having Josh McDaniels, who was a part of those Patriots glory days with Brady and Moss. Now, maybe not direct OC, but he was involved in that. So he knows how to make an explosive offense and to have his Randy Moss and to have his Wes Welker at the same time. If he's able to balance that out with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, 
Uh, I think he's definitely got the potential to be high. Again, I have him in my top 30 because of the PPR factor. Now, if you're doing standard scoring, God love you. Uh, obviously, yeah, then he's not uh, anywhere, you know, per se on that radar. Um, but, you know, to have – uh, 103 receptions, a thousand yards, and he had nine touchdowns. Um, you know, and he does catch the football. He's not a guy that is, you know, captain drops. I, I just like it a lot. And I mean, I think Renfro for me too is, you know, like like a kid. You know, you have that safety blanket, so to speak. I think if you know all things fall apart, you have a player of his ilk there that I think, you know, Derek Carr is going to go. Well, there's my guy. There's my guy. Even though he has a college rapport with Adams, and you know they've had training camp and stuff to go through. I, I totally think that he's on that level where, yeah, Adams definitely is going to be the the main guy in that offense. And I think they're going to be a lot more wide open, uh, things of that nature. Now, that's me with the upside concepts. But, again, I have Renfro just inside my top 30. You have him closer to almost outside your top 60. So that is probably our one of our biggest. And I think ADP, which is listed as roughly 38. So you're even, you know, you're pushing almost 25, 30 past that. What's what's your deal, man? Just not a fan? Well, so obviously I, I listen to and read a lot of fantasy football stuff throughout the entire offseason. I try to stay up to date as much as I can. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast back in like the March, April time frame. I think it was like right before the draft. And I heard one analyst call another analyst crazy for not having Renfro in their top 24 wide receivers in one of their early ranking ranking shows. And even back then I was like, do people really expect Renfro to come close to duplicating the season that he just had? Like he was in the right place at the right time. That's basically what happened last year. He ended up being the de facto number one for Derek Carr because their wide receiver room was so bad that, a tight end was leading the team in targets and had led the team in targets over the past two years. So it's not like, you know, Renfro wasn't there two years ago and Waller still led the team in targets. It, to me, it was just one of those things where once Waller went down last year, that's sort of when Renfro took over. If you look at his scoring last year, half of the games that he finished in the top 24 among wide receivers were games where Darren Waller played less than 25% of the snaps or was completely out with an injury. And in the ones where he did finish as a top 24 with Waller, they were they were all because he scored touchdowns and he barely just snuck into the top 24 in most of those games. So he didn't have a single game of 100 yards with Waller. His only two double-digit target games came with Waller out of the lineup. Add in Devontae Adams and potentially a healthy Darren Waller. Again, we'll see with what's going on with him with the contract. But even if Waller isn't, back in time or not a hundred percent or whatever the case is, you can see that Renfro never sort of commanded those targets, you know, beforehand. It was, it was always Waller. That was the one getting those that pushes Renfro down to basically the third option on this team at best. And while I do see that he's still going to be useful in this offense, I don't think there's any chance outside of injuries to either Adams Waller or both that he finishes inside of the top 40. Now, I will admit I'm probably too low as to where he will actually finish. But like I've said before, I rank players based on where I would draft them. And Renfro is a guy that I just don't want on any of my teams. I'd rather take a high upside swing at that point in the draft at guys like, you know, Alan Lazard or 
Chris Olave or even Kadarius Tony, like guys who could way outperform their ADP rather than a guy who could slightly perform better than, you know, the wide receiver 38. Like if he finishes like as a wide receiver 35, like is anybody going to be like really surprised about that? Like, I don't know. I just, again, he's, he's one of those guys who to me is not a high upside guy. I'm not ranking him at 56 because I believe that he's going to finish as the wide receiver 56. I'm ranking him there because there are so many other guys that when you get to that point in a draft where you're taking, you know, again, you're taking bench players at this point where you're getting Hunter Renfro. I want bench players who have the potential to crack my starting lineup and have, and like make me have to make a decision to like, Oh crap, this guy, you know, for example, Deandre Hopkins, who's, who's going right around him. When Deandre Hopkins gets back, I'm going to have a decision to make. Am I going to, do I have to put Hopkins in my lineup now? Or, you know, should I, if I'm winning games, should I keep rolling with the guys that got me there? Like I want to give me the hard decisions because that means I have a lot of guys who are scoring a lot of points. Whereas Renfro, I just, yeah, I think he'll have a, a game here, a game there where he's going to be, you know, a potentially wide receiver one, you know, top 12 guy overall for that week. But with Adams there and, you know, again, if Waller gets back on the field anytime soon, I just I can't see. Uh, we, we're hesitant to draft wide receiver twos for teams like people are down on T Higgins as talented as he is because everybody's like, oh, Jamar Chase is going to get more targets. So. You know, I, I don't think T. Higgins is a top 10 guy. I know, obviously, we don't believe that, but I've heard it. I've read it. I've seen people pass on T. Higgins in drafts because they're like, oh, well, I'm not I'm not taking the number two. Like, if we're not taking a guy like T. Higgins, who's a number two on a terrific offense at, you know, inside the top 10 wide receivers, just because he's the te- technically the second option, how are we taking a guy like Hunter Renfro, who's going to be, you know, potentially the third or fourth option on his team, and, and thinking that there's, you know, there's some potential for him to, you know, finish as the wide receiver 11 like he did last year or the wide receiver 10, whatever it was. That's just I want higher upside guys on my team. That's that's basically where I'm at as far as, you know, these later picks. So the 10th best wide receiver from last year with some changes in the offense, you don't even feel is a starter on most teams for fantasy. I don't think he's going to be this year. I just don't. I mean, I, listen, he'll, he'll be a starter for you if you want nine and a half, you know, to 13 and a half PPR points for most weeks. And then again, if he scores a touchdown, you know, maybe he does a little bit better than that. But I'm looking at the games last year where he didn't score a touchdown, 10 points, eight points, eight and a half, 5.1, 9.3, score touchdowns there, back to no touchdowns, five and a half. Like, all of these games, 4.7, all of these games where he didn't score. And, like, how many touchdowns do you think he's going to have? Like, yeah, okay, the Raiders' offense is going to be better, but you know, Waller's going to get his fair share of end zone targets as big as he is. You know Devontae Adams is going to get his share of end zone targets and red zone targets. I just don't see I'd Listen, I think Hunter Renfro is a decent football player. I'm not, like, trying to bash the guy or anything. He's a way better football player than I'll ever be. I get it. But when it comes to fantasy, I want guys who are going to – have the opportunity guys like, you know, maybe the guy that we're going to talk about next and Chris Olave. Like I would rather have Olave because there's the potential, like, you know, you, we were talking about on the last episode where Michael Thomas doesn't come back and, or, do, you know, maybe he isn't healthy or maybe he isn't the same guy that he was before the injury. And now all of a sudden, you know, Olave becomes 
like the number one on his team. Like I know Renfro isn't going to be the number one. Like I know it. I know from the fact that they got Devontae Adams and he's a an all-world talent. And I know from the fact that he was on the team with Waller the two years prior and didn't lead the team in target. So he wasn't their number one option either of those years either. The only reason he was the number one target last year was because Waller was hurt, because Henry Ruggs ended up missing the season, because Brian Edwards failed to become the wide receiver that the Raiders coaching staff hoped. Like for me, Renfro is, he was a product of a great situation last year. And I, I don't, I don't think the situation is anywhere near the same. That's, that's basically how I feel. I mean, I can't change the way that I think about the process. I get that other people have different views and that's completely fine. And if you want to go ahead and draft Renfro, go for it. I have no, no issue with that whatsoever. For me, it's not the type of guy that I'm, I'm looking for late in drafts. That's so let's move on to uh, Chris Olave because I think, uh, you know, poor Hunter Renfro got, uh, we, we spent a lot of time. Well, I mean, listen, he's a guy that we should spend a lot of time on. I, I get it. He's he's a very polarizing wide receiver this year because of how he finished last year and because of the changes on the offense. But but let's move on to Chris Olave. Uh, I have him ranked at wide receiver 45. You have him at 33, which is 10 spots higher than where he's actually going, which is the wide receiver 43. Why are you uh, – what, what's your deal with Olave? Again, you know, I just talked about him. I would take Olave before I took Renfro. You have, you know, Alave ranked much higher than ADP. So I guess you agree in, in some fashion. But what's your uh, what's your take on Alave this year and, and how you feeling? Well, I mean, part of the big deal for me is I I don't know what to expect out of the offense and out of Michael Thomas, which I think even right now there's some questions about, you know, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to – make it through the season is he I, I just really don't know I mean I know they said okay you know he looked kind of okay in preseason Should looked electric and you know you see all the big things coming back out again and then after you know missing all last season with ankle injuries and you know he got back into camp now you're talking about a hamstring like if the guy doesn't want to be there he shouldn't be there now I think they drafted Chris Olave looking at uh, there's probably a pretty good chance that he doesn't want to be there and he might not be there. Uh, I mean, Michael Thomas right now is to me, one of the most polarizing players in the league. He's got so much, you know, like you say, whatever potential. And, and I mean, a few, a few years back, he was, you know, just such a, an, an epic football player for his team where, and for us in fantasy football, and then to see health and, you know, maybe other things off the field that, that are holding him back with the injuries to really push him to that level. Like, I mean, he's going into 2022 with, uh, to me, too many question marks. Chris Olave comes from a, a heavy pedigree of the Ohio State offense. Uh, I think a lot of people talked about his potential with that team as far as being a you know, best route runner, uh, has the, the the total package as far as a route tree goes, things like that. I like him. Again, your draft of rookies based on potential. I like Alave a lot because of that. I think this crop of young wide receivers that came out, a lot of them went to the right situations. Uh, you know, again, to get a guy like Alave to sit down there with Jarvis Landry, uh, a veteran who's going to show him all the little, little – 
the dark arts of wide receiver of, you know, ways to get open quick, ways to do this, ways to do that. And knows that this kid's going to blow by most of the offenses in the league. Um, you still got, you know, your Traquan Smith, your Deontay Hardy's, Marcus Callaway's are in the mix. Uh, quietly, Jameis Winston was having a decent season uh, and, until he got hurt last year and, and looked like he had potential to, you know, possibly not become Drew Brees, but but take over that offense. So I think there was that playing into it as well. You, you know, Alvin Kamara, you're waiting to see maybe what shakes out on his level. I like Alave. I like him a lot, and I do, you know, I like him right in that region of if those two players, I know what you're going to say, if those two players were there for you to take, which one would you take? I think some of it would be depending on where I'm picking. Like, you know, where where is my where's my team at so far? Again, if I'm talking like a basic redraft league and, you know, you're talking of a, a, a 43 and a 38 respectively for Alave and, and Renfro as far as ADP, I, I think it would just be a matter of what I maybe already have on my roster. Now, if I'm drafting in Dynasty – I think you'd probably have to go Alave right off the bat because of that. If it's a keeper league where you're drafting this guy fresh and you're willing to take some of that potential on and see what's there, I think, again, that's a big factor. But to me, the two of them together are borderline coin flips. Now, if somehow this was later in a draft or, or whatever the case may be, again, our league, you know, we're already talking about being two rounds behind. Chris Alave might go, I mean, in our draft, Chris Alave might go, somebody might be a nut and go mid second round, early third. And suddenly that blows his ADP up compared to what we're talking about. But I think that he's a good wide receiver. I think he's got the potential to become a really good wide receiver. Just a matter of what happens in that offense and a matter of what happens with, with Michael Thomas. Do they stick by their guy and wait for him to get healthy or do they look to, you know, possibly, who knows, maybe make a move. I mean, again, at the end of 23, they, they can make some trades to try to get out from under some of his contract and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, it's just, there's a lot of question marks with that whole offense, but I think Alave is one of those safer picks. You're kind of like right where everybody is. If he's there, I'll take him. If not, I'm not going to hurt myself. Would I move up to take him if, if things worked out right? Maybe, you know, cause I think those, I think that pack of wide receivers from this year, even with all the preseason hype or lack of hype, I think they're all kind of get going to get kind of jumped on at, Kind of right, right around the same time. Yeah, I feel like the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson effect is definitely, and you and you see that this year. You see that rookie wide receivers are being drafted, you know, a lot higher than they have been in the past because I think everybody's looking for or hoping to get, you know, a, a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase rookie season where you know got to finishes in the top five or six wide receivers for for that year. I don't necessarily think we have anybody this year who you know, really has the standout potential to do that. At least, you know, nobody off the top of my head. I think, you know, Drake London, obviously probably going to see a ton of targets and, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota has actually looked pretty good in preseason. So, you know, maybe Drake London has a shot to, to do something like that. For me, Olave, you know, I, I do like the guy, you know, coming out of the, you know, our, our preseason stuff where we were looking at rookies before the NFL draft. He was definitely a guy who was impressive on film. But rookie wide receivers generally don't at least start out the season strong. You see some stronger finishes with guys like, uh, you know, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown last year. Uh, I think there was another guy who, uh, another wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, who had a strong finish to the end of the year. But I just can't think of the name off the top of my head. 
But anyway, these rookie wide receivers, they generally they don't start out as uh, you know sort of go to guys on their offense. That that sort of has to be worked in throughout you know the rest of the season. And uh, you know, for me again, a guy like Olave is a guy who I like him. I'm not saying I won't draft him, but for me, I would much rather draft a guy who is going to have a boom start of the season. You know what I'm saying? A, a guy like a, like a Rondell Moore or something like that, who could potentially uh, benefit from Deandre Hopkins being gone for the first six weeks and then trade him for Alave later on as the two are sort of, you know, the two ships are sort of passing in the night. You know, I'll take the guy on the rise as opposed to the guy who, you know, maybe losing targets when, when their superstar wide receiver comes back. So again, I'm not opposed to drafting Alave. I think I, I, I want to say I drafted uh, in the, the league that we just did this past weekend. I drafted a rookie wide receiver uh, or a rookie running back, maybe both, honestly. Um, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where I, I don't go out of my way to draft rookies. But it's 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 not any slight on Olave. It's just the fact that for the most part, rookie wide receivers just are not they're not hits. They're not huge huge hits at least the first year. But uh, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't have the potential. It's just you know the odds are kind of not in his favor. So, all right. So the last guy that we're going to talk about is Christian Kirk. He's going as the wide receiver 47. I have him right there at 48. You have him up at 37. Uh, I've seen him ranked even higher than you have him at times, but uh, does seem to be going a little bit later in drafts. And and I'm interested to see why you have him at 37. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest reasons is that he, he looks to be there. You know, they, they paid him a lot of money. To, to join their team uh, and to be that wide receiver one. Again, I, I, you know, I hate using those terms because it's, it's all relative. Um, they also signed Zay Jones, who I said was you know, one of those potential guys on, on the backside there that, that could be, uh, you know, could be something for your team possibly, you know, looking at, at different roster cuts uh, looks like they no longer employ uh, Laquan Treadwell. Just watching this kind of maybe happen. Uh, on that roster. So um, if that's the case, then uh, again, that just kind of, you know, firms things up. Uh, Trade it yesterday was LaVisca Chenault, key of 100 targets last year, 63 receptions and 619 yards. Uh, looking at um, the fact that he's on that offense. And I mean, last year was obviously a, a lost season for the entire franchise because of coaching and numerous other things, you're going to get Trevor Lawrence going into year two with Doug Peterson, who uh, he likes his quarterbacks and he likes to groom them and he's pretty good at it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think a lot of people are, well, not a lot of people. Some people think ah, yeah, he's a bust and everything else. Like what happened to that franchise last year was, was not anybody's particular fault. So you're vacating uh, targets of 151 for Treadwell right off the bat. And Marvin Jones was getting volume at the beginning of the year, and then eventually teams just knew to cover him, and suddenly it helped to spread the football a little bit. At the end of the day, I, I think he's going to go out there and turn what he did last year was 77 receptions with Arizona, average about 12.8 a catch, and he catches the ball at a pretty high rate. He got about a 75% catch rate last year, so uh, he's shorthanded amongst other things. I think that's a big factor, and I think that that offense is going to be – can't be much worse. So, again, I think they're going to be a lot better, and I think you're going to see that team itself where, you know, you're, you're talking about a team that threw for 
under 3,500 yards. I, I think that offense kind of clicks a little bit more this year. I think that quarterback, uh, again, closes in on maybe about 4,000 yards with, with a little bit more happening. You have Travis Etienne helping to maybe lighten the load both in the running and passing game. I think that you're going to see a lot of different things happen there, but I think one of them is Christian Kirk maybe finally getting his comeuppance. He's going to be a good probably wide receiver one for you. I, I really think so. Uh, I know sometimes he gets a little banged up, misses a game or two, but I think he has that ability to be that guy. Now, again, that's me just shooting the moon and figuring, hey, you know, you're getting the best wide receiver in an offense that's starving for great wide receivers. Marvin Jones is definitely going to be there as a little bit of a safety blanket, so to speak. And, and again, you have another piece or two with, with like we said, with say Jones and, and, you know, what they do out of the backfield. Evan Ingram, I'm not sweating him too much. I mean, again, he never was really able to put it together with the Giants, and, and I don't see that maybe happening here. But, again, I, I like Christian Kirk a little bit. Uh, again, I'm not reaching to draft him. He's a guy I feel that could fall to you definitely. And, and again, if you're looking for those wide receivers down the road, I think it's, it's one of those guys that not that you are targeting, but he's got to be on your radar knowing that he might slip around or two because people are going to be a little – little light on him. Now, maybe less likely now that, again, that Chenault's gone and people start to recognize that they're kind of, you know, rounding out who's going to be that starting starting receiving core and, and who's really going to make the plays for that team. But again, I know, Pat, you're almost dead on with ADP. It's not that you're not high on him. It's that you just don't expect anything big out of him or you don't expect anything big out of that offense. Uh, I mean, the offense still makes me a little bit nervous, but, uh, you know, I, I think that Listen, teams make mistakes all the time. You know, we, I just I just saw a tweet earlier that uh, the Raiders are waving uh, Alex Leatherwood, who they the offensive tackle that they drafted in the first round last year, already off the team. So teams make mm-hmm. mistakes. Paying Christian Kirk, I believe, was a mistake. I I think he's a a decent player. I'm not again, you know, this this is not any slight on these guys as as players. It's just. You know, Kirk doesn't bring anything special. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He's, you know, standard-sized wide receiver. He's not blazing fast. He has never really shown any, like, propensity for being, like, a, an excellent route runner. He's he's just been a decent guy when he's played. And, you know, which honestly hasn't – he wasn't good enough to beat a lot of people out on Arizona's offense. I mean, he only averaged six targets a game last year. Uh, you know, never finished his career, you know, short career, but never finished his career anywhere higher than the wide receiver 26 on the season. And, you know, a lot of that, again, was last year because of DeAndre Hopkins missing time. They had to put Kirk in there. And, and I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm not saying that he, he, he couldn't, you know, potentially do something. But, I mean, listen, last year we thought it was LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones in that offense. And, you know, as it turned out, you know, it ended up being like Jamal Agnew and, you know, mm-hmm. all these guys that we just had no, we had no idea who else was, you know, who, who Trevor Lawrence was going to throw the ball to. Now you have Travis Etienne coming back. Uh, again, the, the, the departure of Chenault does do a little bit for, but Kirk was probably going to be their one anyway because of, the, of what they paid him. So I don't think Chenault leaving does too much as far as changing, you know, what Christian Kirk's involvement in the offense was going to be i think guys who you know maybe were on that playing in the slot uh you know where chanel looked to be kind of slotted this year you know whoever that fourth wide receiver is you know will probably move up and, and become a little bit more valuable in fantasy but 
Again, like you said, with Evan Ingram, again, not a guy that I'm super high on by any means, but he is a talented guy. And and sometimes, you know, we, we see talented players all the time, especially recently on that Giants offense who just were underutilized. There was bad quarterback play. There was bad coaching. Like Evan Ingram was a first round tight end. You know, he was drafted. He had incredible, you know, athleticism and measurables. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that Evan Ingram is some He's not like George Kittle or anything like that, but he's got the ability if if given the opportunity. And we saw he had a really good season as a top five or six tight end his second year in the league. He's got the ability with a good quarterback to do that. So if Trevor Lawrence gets better, uh, I do think that all of the, the the you know as they say you know a, a high tide raises all ships. I do think everybody in this offense could potentially get better and finish higher than where they're being drafted if Trevor Lawrence. You know, and Doug Peterson end up having a, a better offensive output than they did last year. But for me, like Kirk is just he's just he was just a guy. The fact that Jacksonville wants to make him more than that doesn't necessarily mean that he is. Is he going to see a ton of targets this year? Probably. I mean, yeah, it's, it's inevitable that the, they're going to throw the ball. They're probably going to be behind. Their defense didn't improve that much by, you know, by drafting who they draft with the first overall pick. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now the defender, whatever. But I don't think that their defense is going to be late years better than they were last year. It's just the fact that maybe the high passing volume brings him up a little bit. But again, he's not a guy that I'm I'm willing to, you know, there are other guys going in that same area where Kirk is going, where I would just rather take shots on, you know, guys like Sky Moore or whatever, like guys who have the potential to play in a really, really good offense and, and be, you know, we still have no idea who the number one is on, on the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's Kelsey, obviously, but we don't yeah. know as far as wide receiver. So I would rather take shots on guys like that than than a guy like Kirk, who, yeah, great, he might be the number one, but for the Jaguars who haven't really impressed anybody in the last eight or nine years. So uh, that's just, you know, again, it's nothing against Kirk. I just, I don't think that he's a, he's, I don't think he's a, a game changer at the wide receiver position. No, not a game changer. Uh, that was Trayvon Walker, by the way. There you a, go. Thank you. Defender. Right. Yes, yes. First overall pick. How soon we forget. Um, yeah, we talk like, offensive players in fantasy football. These defensive guys, I, I don't even remember what numbers they are half the time. No, I, I know what you mean. He's not jumping out at you. It's more of a maybe you feel like you, you know, if you, if you tier your wide receivers, not that I, you know, I go so much that route, but I mean, you do see certain certain lists that do that and it's, you know, if, if he's the worst guy at the end of, let's say, tier five or six of wide receivers and he's somehow sitting there, but, you know, you're, you're trying to get guys on the front or back end of a run. Yeah. And, and there's definitely going to be guys out there with more potential. Again, if you gave me Alave, OK, right now, if you said, like, keep trade cut Alave Renfro Kirk, overall, I'm keeping Alave, I'm trading Renfro, I'm cutting Kirk. So, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and again, the, the keep trade could even go back and forth depending on what my roster looks like. But yeah, I, I do I want them on my team if I can get them? Yeah. Am I going to kill myself to do it? No, not, not at all. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 how I feel too. I'm not saying I won't take him. I'm just saying, you know, he's not the type of guy that I'm necessarily looking for. There's a point in, in a draft where every player becomes a value no matter who they are. It's just a matter of, you know, for me, Kirk would probably have to drop a little bit lower than than where he's currently going in order for me to be like, yeah, all right, I'll take him over, you know, these other guys because I do think there is potential there for him to 
you know, potentially have 135 targets and, and finish with 80 plus receptions and over a thousand yards. I think that's a, a, a possibility, of course. But I, I learned last year that taking, you know, even potential number one wide receivers, running backs, whatever, from bad offenses just generally is not a good strategy. And so I, I tend to stay away from offenses that have proven to be bad uh, until they prove me otherwise. And then, you know, like I said, that's that was the case I was making with like the Sky Moore thing. Like I know the Kansas City Chiefs offense is going to be good because they have Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Eric Bieniemy still the, the offensive coordinator there. I know that their offense is going to move the ball. So I'd rather take a shot on a guy like Sky Moore or MVS, for example, over a guy like Christian Kirk who, yeah, okay, he's going to be the number one, but how good is their offense going to be? Uh, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at with him. But there does come a point, like I said, for everybody where he becomes a, a valuable pick. All right. Well, that rounds out our top 50 and uh, some of the guys that we wanted to talk about here as far as where our differences are on ADP. I think, you know, hopefully that gives you, you know, I think we give you a little bit of pros and cons for all the guys that we talk about and in most cases anyway. So uh, hopefully that helps you make your decisions. You know, fantasy football is as much as you need a, a list or, uh, you know, a ranking sheet or something like that when you do your draft or even an app now that they have apps where, uh, you know, you can you can have players ranked. You have to make your own calls on guys. You can't just go off of a sheet. I mean, you can. That's completely fine, I guess, if that's what you want to do. But the whole fun of fantasy football, you know, like we talked about in our, in our last episode, the whole fun of it is making bets on guys and, and calling your shot and taking the guys that you like in the hopes that, you're right and, and you'll win your fantasy league. You know, if you're a Christian Kirk fan, if you think that Trevor Lawrence is going to really bounce back and have a great year, go ahead and draft him. I, all more power to you. I, and I hope you're right. I just know that unless he falls a little bit, he's, he's not going to be on my team. And a lot of these guys, like I said, you know, we're, we're higher or lower on ADP. That's fine. That's what makes these drafts fun is that, you know, you see a guy who, uh, is ranked a little bit further down the list, and and then all of a sudden one of your league mates grabs, and uh, you're like, wow, it seemed like a reach, but man, I was going to reach, you know, a couple picks later to do the same thing. So it's all about getting together with the people that you're with and drafting, and and uh, you know, sort of playing the game of can I grab this guy now? Can I wait? Can you know who's this team going to draft? And in some cases, even you know, we make some trades at our draft sometimes. So there are some some intricacies as far as draft trading and things like that, that, that happen in some of these drafts as well. So it's definitely, this is the sort of the, the chess match of fantasy football is, uh, is the draft. And then throughout the uh, season, it's, it's about, you know, making sure that you're starting and sitting the right guys, which we will be here for, uh, you know, all of our start sits again this year, the way we did last year, uh, helping you guys make sure that you're picking the right players for your lineup. Also want to just take a second to let you know that if you want to follow us on social media, we do put out some some information, some you know some random stats that we find, or just some funny you know Scott's like the king of the the funny meme tweets. Uh, if you want to follow either of us on social media, we are at the Nine Route One and at Scott from Delco. And uh, with that, Scott, you got anything before we uh, before we head out? Uh, no, man, I think you kind of hit everything. Uh, Mickey's definitely want to say thank you to uh, one of our friends of the show. Uh, I know it's local for you, Pat. Sometime I got to try to get down there and, and say hello to the gentlemen and ladies that are over at, at Mickey's down there. And we'll, we'll get you some, uh, we'll get you some Mickey's tots when you come for the draft. Those things are unbelievable, man. Yeah. They're, they're so, like covered in like cheese, like beer cheese and 
I think they come with like pulled pork on them. Oh my God, they're phenomenal. Maybe they could top me in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, okay, aside, we, we do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, beyond that, again, we're, we're looking forward to an exciting season. Uh, we got a draft coming up this weekend. We're also looking forward to, and then we're we're going to get into it, probably look to get involved in our start sits, see what the lay of the land is, and, and move on throughout the season, trying to give you that deep dive into the knowledge to help take you deep into your fantasy football season and uh, hopefully steer towards a, a title. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, please, uh, you know, like and subscribe. And again, let us know that you're listening. And if you like any anything else mentioned in content, you know, again, you can email or, or contact Pat or myself at the addresses we just listed. And, uh, you know, look, to, look forward to hearing from you soon, folks. Peace. <laughs>